You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. So we are on our uh, third week of this series, um, and uh, we're basically looking at uh, what it means to grow as a disciple, what are, um, what are the things to look for when you are a disciple, and and uh, what are the marks of you growing as the disciple of Jesus Christ, okay? So we have, um, we have this series overview. So we looked at spiritual disciplines. And then a disciple holds on to the essential doctrines of the faith. And then we, we're going to talk about holy living this morning. And all of these things. So um, when you are a disciple of Jesus, you, you, know, you believe in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And uh, because he rose again from the dead, he is the Lord of all. And then you also, as a disciple, crave his word. And when you do so, the, the, the natural effect of that is that we grow in our faith. And when we grow in our faith, um, a result of that is that we change. Our lives change, okay? How many of you have experienced life change when you put your faith in Christ? Okay, when you say you, a genuine believer experiences a transformation in life. Okay, and, and that life is what holy living is all about. Okay, so let's go to First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 uh, to 5, and then we're going to jump to verse 13. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Okay, First Peter 1, verses 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's jump to verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is God's word. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for the great blessing and grace that you've given us through Jesus Christ. And Lord, we count it a privilege, to, Lord, to respond to that grace, to receive it, embrace it, respond to it, enable it to work in our lives. And Lord, let that grace manifest through us so that you may be known. Lord, we pray that you would Continue to teach us on how to be your disciple. And Lord, lead us as we move forward in our relationship with you. For your glory and honor, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all take your seats. Thanks so much. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> we read from First Peter, and obviously this was written by, this was written by the Apostle Peter. And... Peter, before he became an apostle, he was first a disciple. And he, even, as a, an, even as an apostle, he 
continue to be a disciple of Christ because a disciple means learner, okay, so, or follower. So, so even as he was leading the church, the early church at the time, he was still a follower of Christ, okay? So even if you become like uh, the bishop of churches, you do not graduate from be- being a follower of Jesus, okay? And so we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We want to grow in our discipleship. And here Peter wrote this letter to many Jews and uh, basically many believers, whether they're Jews or Gentiles. And uh, this was written toward, uh, for, for those believers in different places in Asia Minor at the time, which is now modern-day Turkey. Okay? So he wrote that to basically encourage them I think we're there, so it's, okay, can we get to go to the next one? This was working last week, there you go. Okay, so this was his purpose in writing First Peter. Um, you know, uh, he was encouraging them to, um, he was encouraging them because they were being persecuted, and he was saying that, you know, suffer, you, you, know you need to s- persevere. Hello, hello. There you go. Um, so he was encouraging them and that he was testifying that this is the true grace of God. So what he was speaking of. Because he, he wanted them to continually be rooted in their faith in spite of what they were experiencing. And that he was promising that, you know, he was promising that um, um, what you're experiencing right now, the, the, the testing of your faith, will produce something far greater than the suffering that you're, that you're enduring right now. So he was encouraging them to endure. Don't quit on Jesus. Don't give up because of the suffering, the persecution, and the pain. He was con- encouraging them to continue on. Okay? And so, and part of continuing on is basically, you know, growing in your walk with Jesus. And that's what a disciple is. You see, you don't become a disciple when everything, in, when all your circumstances are nice. A lot of people say they're followers of Jesus, but then when, they're, when they experience persecution, when they experience hardship or, um, you know, uh, some, um, some unexplainable calamity, they fall away from Jesus. They stop following Jesus. But disciples of Jesus Christ move forward in their relationship with Him in spite of what they're ex- experiencing or encountering. And if they're experiencing something that is painful, the Lord is calling us to persevere through that pain. Why? Because He Himself, you know, um, it was read a while ago. You know, Angela read it. You know, for the joy set before us, you know, He endured the cross, scorning its shame. He went through the pain so that we can and we can receive the salvation of our souls. Okay, so Peter was writing this and. And how many, if we're talking about discipleship, how many of you would agree with me that Peter would have somewhat of a good idea of what being a disciple of Jesus would be? Would you agree? <laughs> I mean, he walked with Jesus. He was one of the 12. He was one of those who were privileged to be in his inner circle. Okay, so he knows a thing or two about following Jesus, about being a disciple. So, and here in this passage that we read, um, 
he was uh, he wrote basically he speaks of the grace that the believers have received through Jesus Christ and also the second part that we read um, it talks he talks about the necessary response to that grace okay so he talks about what we've been given by Jesus and what are we going to do about that now <clears throat> um, what he has written he wrote it to the Jews and Gentiles Jews and Gentile believers of the time but what he wrote uh, applies to us today because these are principles that, are, that, that can, we can apply today in our lives okay as we look at our lives today this is something that is true for us as well so that's why we're looking at it and and um, these two sets of passages that we read um, reveal somewhat of a pattern and that I've seen as I was preparing for this sermon you know I saw it in, in you know as, as I was looking at it I saw it and this is something I've learned recently <clears throat> in in seminary from one of from a few of my uh, seminary professors at Asbury uh, he's they spoke of this thing about the the indicative and the imperative okay so what does that mean I mean Oh, no, he's going to use seminary terminology. No, no, don't worry. I'm, I'm going to be explaining this to you. So the indicative, basically, here's what, what they've said, and this is a fascinating concept for me. Um, the indicative precedes the imperative. What does that mean? Now, the word indicative, uh, it comes from, you know, its root word is indicate, which means to, when you indicate something, that means you point out, Point out the truth about that. Point out the fact about something, right? To indicate and and indicative, uh, indicative is basically uh, a statement of fact or truth. Something that is that is stated as fact or, more importantly, something stated as truth. Okay, so and the indicative basically speaks of. Um, a, a sign of something that, that's, that, is, that is of the truth. And the indicative precedes the imperative. What is imperative? Well, the word imperative uh, means that it is something of importance. Okay? It's an important thing. That's why when you, when you explain to someone, you know, it is imperative that you do this or else. Right? It is important. Something that is of great importance. Also, imperative here, in this sense, also speaks of it being a command. This is my imperative to you. So it's a command. So it is an, put those two concepts together, it is an important command. So here, let's put it together. The indicative precedes the imperative. The truth precedes the command. Okay? And here in this passage that we read, the first part that we read shows the indicative and then the second set of passages we read shows the imperative. Okay? I think I lost the connection here. So, there you go. <clears throat> and another way of s stating this is this. The indicative is the basis of the imperative. Okay? The truth is the basis of the command. 
the statement of truth, what is being stated as truth, is the basis of the command. All right? So here, in the first set of passages we read, we see Paul speaking of God's grace that he has given us through Christ. Basically, the indicative here is what Christ has done for us. The truth about what Jesus Christ did for us. And then the, next, the second set that we read, which is verse 13 onwards, is basically imperative. And this is how we are expected to respond to that truth. Okay? So this one is about the gospel, the indicative, which is, what is the gospel? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but will have everlasting life. That's the indicative. It, it indicates, points to the truth of the gospel and God's love. And then now the imperative is because of what Jesus did, this is how you are to live. You be holy. Does that make sense? Now, a lot of times, religious people only look at the imperative, but they don't realize or they don't understand the indicative. They, don't, they only look at the what, but they don't understand the why. The imperative is the what. The indicative is the why. Okay? The indicative is the basis of the imperative. The, the why is the basis of the what. How many of you have ever had your kids, when you gave them a command, what's the first thing they ask? Why? <laughs> right? We've all experienced that. I said that. I mean, I asked why so many times, you know. Because um, we always, you know, sub un subconsciously, we want to know the indicative first before we comply with the imperative. <clears throat> now, Let's look at the indicative here, <clears throat> okay? Um, and this concept of the indicative and the imperative, this is this consistent all throughout Scripture. You'll see it, in, you'll see it in, uh, in the Old Testament. You'll see it there in Genesis. You'll see it in Exodus. Even before God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments and even basically the covenant, these are the laws of you being my nation. What did God do first? He did something for them first. He delivered them with a, with a mighty hand. He delivered them from slavery, from their bondage to slavery in Egypt. He showed His power. He displayed. He chose them out of all the nations. Did they deserve any of that? No. It was God's choice, sovereign choice. But, and now, because He has performed the why, the indicative, now this is the response. As I have delivered you, and I am making a covenant with you, you be faithful to this covenant. Does that make sense? And so, religious people only follow the imperative. They only follow commands without understanding why they are to do it. And that's why if people don't understand the why, the reason behind the command, the basis of the command, then all they will see when they look at the command, they will all see it as just an obligation. Simply as that. And that's why when you do things out of obligation, sometimes your heart is not in it. Many times your heart is not in it. Right? 
But if you understand that the basis of that command is God's covenantal love for you, that because He loves you, He did this for you. He died for you. He delivered you. You didn't deserve this, but He, he died for you, gave His life for you, so that you can have the chance, at least a choice, to, to, to respond to Him. And when you do respond to Him, then the, then the righteous and necessary response to what he, the goodness and the grace He has done is faithfulness. And of course, when you're talking about faithfulness to a God, that means obedience. Right? And so Peter spoke of that as obedient children. Okay? Now as believers, you are children of God. And as children, it is expected that you obey. Right? That's just, that's just how it goes. Let's look at the, the indicative part of the passages that we read, okay? Are, are you getting this? <clears throat> so, I hope, so is this still confusing? Don't be intimidated by these phrases, okay? And by these terms. That's why I go to lengths to explain it, okay? Um, let's look at the indicative. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. This is the first part that we read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy... He has caused us. So, who initiated all of this grace? Was it us? No, it's, it was God. And, and be, it was because of, was it because of the, the, the religious works that we do? Is it because of our faithfulness? Is it because of something that we do? No, it's because of something God has done. And it's because of His great mercy. Yeah, according to great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection. See, here's the thing. The why of the command. Why are we called to be holy? Why are we called to live a life that is, that is, that is set apart for God's purpose? And some people, when they think about living a holy life, oh, you're missing out on life. You're missing out on the parties. You're missing out on the good stuff. And being a holy, living a holy life means you're going to be, you know, you're going to be, you know, in, in, in a 60s term, you're square. Okay, you're boring. What term would you use today? Millennials, what would you use today? Not lit. There you go. <laughs> Man, not lit. Did I hear you right? Not lit. All right. See, you're not lit. You're not on fire. You know, <clears throat> that, that, that's great. I mean, when you're lit up, that means you're, you're on fire, right? Like Kevin Durant was on fire a couple of days ago, right? And he will be again tonight. He was lit. He was on fire. And you see, disciples of Jesus, you know that they're on fire. You know, you know they're lit because they're different. When you know someone's, someone is on fire passionate and they're exuding with life there's something different about those people and when you look at them when they go through persecution and everything it doesn't matter to them and then you go what's with you you see the fire outside you know the fire inside me it's greater than the fire outside of me i'm lit with the fire of the holy ghost baby come on now I like that term. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. You're lit. <laughs> I hope, am I using it in the right context? 
Are you sure about that word? Do you under, are you sure that you understood, you understand the word as it's supposed to be? You're like Inigo Montoya, you know. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Okay. Does it mean as you think it means? Okay, then I'll... Okay, let, let me put it on record. Who said that? It was, it was PL, okay? PL who said that. <clears throat> so those of you in the podcast... It was PL who said that to me, okay? And I still have to research that term lit, okay? So anyway, I hope it's not something bad. So, oh. <clears throat> Look at that in nature. I heard you, and now you're pointing at Joseph, right? <laughs> I'm just teasing PL. So that's what you get for punching me. Just kidding, just kidding. You know, when we were baptizing her, just as a side, during her water baptism, she was so, she was so lit. She was like, when we baptized her, when she went up, whoa, she went like this, and it go, bam, it read me right here. So I had a black eye for a week, you know, so, but hey, I'll suffer for the Lord. <laughs> that was worth it. All right, so just teasing, just teasing. You see here, <clears throat> if you understand, you know, this is the indicative. This is why we, are, we can obey God with a, with a, with a, not with a grudging heart, but with a, with a willing heart and a glad heart of obedience, not grudgingly. It's because we know He loves us. And look, let's look at this reason. See here, the indicative. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. You know what? A lot of people today live without hope. That's why today in, San, in, in the Golden Gate, at the Golden Gate Bridge is people go there. Wow, I'm in San Francisco. I'm in the U.S. Some people say you have not, you have not reached, you, have not, you are not in the U.S. until you've seen the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, that's what they, that's what they say when they reach California. But you know, the Golden Gate Bridge also when you go there, there's a, there's a phone line there. There's a hotline there. It's a suicide hotline. And then the Golden Gate Bridge, they, they put those barriers there because people have been jumping off of the Golden Gate Bridge because of depression. They commit suicide because they've lost hope. Come on now. And I was there, and I saw there was uh, in that hotline, you know, there's a phone, and there's a number there, and... Uh, and then someone, someone vandalized it, but it was a nice vandalism. It says, life is beautiful, right beside the number, said, where it says, please call. Life is beautiful, okay? A lot of people have no hope, and here God has given us a living hope, a hope that can con- cause you to continue on and press on, even if you're going through the, the, you know, the, the greatest tragedy of your life, the greatest persecution of your life, the greatest adversity of your life, you can still press on and say, my heart and soul, I'm with you, Lord. You have my heart and I have yours. I'm in this for life. That's what a disciple is. Okay? They understand this indicative. 
We are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's why, let me say this. The world, atheists, agnostics, and people who don't believe in God paint a bad picture of Christians or, or believers saying, see, if you're a believer, then you're missing out on life. You have to be pitied of all, you know, you're, they think we're, you know, we're crazy. But here's the thing. Where else can you see? Where else can you get? When you make mistakes, you know you can change for the better. You know that your mistake is not final. But that you can still change. You can still transform. Without Christ, there is no hope. And there is no change. But in Christ, even if you mess things up, Jesus Christ transforms you, changes you, and makes you into His image and likeness in His character so that you will reveal Him. And then your life will be transformed. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I used to cheat, lie this, but now, no longer. You see, I mean, what, what kind of life do you want the life that has no tran transformation? Jesus brings us transformation and he made this possible because of his love. To, uh, and then, not only that, he gave us a, you know, a, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to an inheritance that is imperishable. You know what imperishable means? It cannot be destroyed. That is the hope that he has given you. It is imperishable. It is undefiled, meaning it's pure. It's perfect. And it is unfading. Like natural beauty. Beauty fades. Great works of art, they fade. That's why they, great works of art need restoration and careful restoration every, you know, every so often. To preserve that beauty. But you see, that's temporal. What God has for us is unfading. And it is kept in heaven for you. Look at this. Who by God's power are being guarded. Through faith for, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This refers to the coming of the Messiah. When the, com the second coming of Christ. It's going to be revealed. That's why today, endure. That's why Peter was saying to them, endure guys. Endure. Persevere. Persevere because, you know, this will produce in you something far greater than what you're experiencing right now. The glory of what will be revealed is it's, what you're going through right now is it will be nothing. It's all going to be worth it. When Jesus Christ appears again, guess what? He will redeem all those people, those who, who put their faith in Him. Those who put his, their trust in Him. He will redeem them. And he will bring them to the next phase of, of salvation, which is glorification. So there's really nothing to lose. So when, you're, when your office mate heckles you or ridicules you or mocks you for being a, a Christian, don't go, <gasps> you know what, in China, in China, I mean, that's nothing. You're not being persecuted when you're being mocked, okay? Can I say that? 
Because if we talk about persecution, they talk about being tortured in China or being a believer, being put in prison, being tortured. And then when they come out, they go, I have suffered for the Lord. Some of you would say, that's crazy. Yeah, they're crazy. They're crazy for Jesus. They're fools for Jesus. Now let me ask you, whose fool are you? Whose fool are we? We're fools for something or for someone. Now, I'd rather be a fool for Christ. So this is the indicative. I mean, can you, can you picture the grace of God here? The resurrection, everything that Jesus did, He purchased, He did that for us because He loved us. And then He gave us all this and something is... We can ex- there's a, something that we can expect in the future and for all eternity being kept for us. Something imperishable, something undefiled and perfect and unfading. Oh, this is awesome. Now, knowing the indicative, knowing the why, let's go to the imperative. That's why Peter explained that. Okay, to give context to the why here is the imperative. Therefore, because of that, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, just, it just simply means we are, you know, preparing your mind for action means to, to be ready to learn. That's what a disciple is. Prepare your mind for action. Be ready to learn and be sober-minded. The NIV renders this as be self-disciplined. Okay? Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And how do you set your heart on that grace? Prepare your minds for action. Be ready to learn. And be self-disciplined. Have self-control. Okay? As obedient children, okay, do not be conformed to the passions of your former Ignorance or your former way of life or your old sinful way of life. You were sinful out of ignorance, but now you're no longer ignorant. You know. Don't go back to that. Okay? As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all, in all your conduct. In other words, in, in how you live. So now Paul was giving the, in, the imperative based from the indicative, the grace of God, the love of God. How many of you know that it's going to be easier to obey the commands when you understand the indicative behind it? Come on now. Right? I mean... All parents experience this. You lay down rules for your kids. And many times your kids don't like the rules. Right? But you lay down those, and you know if you lay down those rules, you may disappoint them, you may hurt their feelings a bit. But you lay them down not to spite them, not to harm them, not to hurt them, or not to wish evil upon them, but to what? To express your love for them. And every say no sometimes you know when you say no it's going to pierce them but that piercing is good because it's from it's based out of 
the motive of love. Come on now, right? Kids understand that. Okay? When I talk to kids, I'm not just talking about talking to preteens. I'm talking to even those of you who are in your 20s, 30s, your 40s. Understand. Okay? And here are the imperatives here. I highlighted them. Set your heart fully on the grace that will be brought to you. Don't set your heart on anything else. Set your heart on that grace which already are, you already have a foretaste now. But it will have, you will experience its fullness when Jesus Christ comes back. Set your heart on that. Be laser focused in your, in your mind. You know, be sober minded. Be self-disciplined. And, you know, and, and be ready to learn. And don't let anything get you out of that stance. And then here's a second in, imperative here. Because God is holy, you shall be holy. Okay? Now remember this. Every time gives an imperative, a command. It is always based out of his indicative, which is his love, his motive. The indicative speaks of the motive. The command speaks of, uh, the imperative speaks of the command. The necessary response to that motive. Are you here with me? Okay, so for us to move forward in our relationship with Jesus, we need to understand that. Okay? If we don't understand the indicative, then our obedience will just be religious works. So what does, as we about to land this, what does it look like to grow in holiness and godliness? So basically, the imperative here speaks, Peter's imperative here is all about Telling the people to live godly lives. Because of what you have received, the grace of God, you shall live godly and holy lives. Holiness and godliness, those are what you need to be mindful of. And you are to be in the business of growing in holiness and godliness. Because of the grace you've received. Does that make sense? So what does it look like to grow in holiness? Let's... The good thing is this. Peter also talked about how to grow in your godliness, in your holiness. And he wrote it in his, in his second letter, okay, in his second epistle, in 2 Peter. Okay, in 2 Peter 1, verses 3 to 7. So we're, let's look at that. Okay, so the indicative here, we can see before we read it, the indicative here in this, again, we see the pattern of the indicative and the imperative. So in first in second Peter chapter one verses three to seven, we see here the indicative in verses three to four. And then the imperative is seen in verses five through eight. Okay? So I wrote there seven, but eight is included there. Okay, so let's look at let's look at the indicative first. Now again, we're looking at how can we grow in our holiness and in godliness. Okay? Based on what God has done for us, His grace. The, the indicative, His divine power. Again, the indicative is what God does, it's not what we do, right? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In the NIV, it says there, His divine power has given us, given us everything we need in life and in godliness. Godliness. 
Everything we need, the power, the divine power of God, the grace of God has granted to us everything we need to live a life of holiness and godliness. Wait, we're living in a sinful world. Yes, in spite of the sinful, sinfulness of the world, where sin abounds, the grace of the Lord abounds even more. The problem is many times people look to the sin and how to overcome the sin by their own efforts, not they don't look to the grace of God that will overcome that sin on their behalf. Right? We try to fight the sin. It's God who will take care of the sin. Our job is to, sub- to embrace the grace and submit to His grace. And God will take care of that sin. And we can respond to Him dealing with us regarding that sin. Does that make sense? That's why a lot of people struggle with sin because they just struggle with sin. They, you know, it, it's supposed to be God's battle. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through here, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. When we talk about knowledge here, it's here it speaks of your knowledge of God, your knowledge of who He is, your knowledge of what He has done, your knowledge of His love, His motive for you. You know what? God is love, the Bible says. So don't think of God as an evil tyrant, you know, who just zaps you every time you make a mistake. And He's not like that. That's why we need to grow in our understanding, in our knowledge of who He is. Right? <clears throat> and when we know His character, the easier it is to follow Him. And here's the thing. When we follow Him, we become like Him. We become what we behold. You know? We become what we behold. <clears throat> Somebody walks. You, you thought it looked it looked like you thought it was Katy Perry. What? Is that Katy Perry? Oh no. It just looks like Katy Perry. Why do you think she looks like Katy Perry? Did he just did she just you know randomly did that? No. What do you think she did? The way she looks tells you what she's been beholding. Come on now. The way you look, your countenance, the way you look reveals what you're beholding. And disciples of Jesus, it's easy for people to see that these people behold Jesus. Why? You know, when, when the disciples were doing, these unlearned people, uneducated people, were doing great and mighty acts. How can they do that? I mean, they're, they're uneducated. They're not like us. They didn't have a degree and everything. And then they realized, and then they realized that they had been with Jesus. So they, saw so, they saw so much of Jesus in them. Can people make that conclusion of us when they look at our lives you're you're of the tribe of Jesus aren't you or do they do this what come on you, you tell me you're a Christian I didn't notice when we were doing that sin when we were sinning together when we were doing that that, that crazy thing and now you tell me you're a Christian? Come on. 
and then you try to share the gospel to him. Come on, I'm not going to believe you. You're not walking the talk. Yeah? Are you here with me? But if you're walking, walking the walk, then the talk makes it all powerful. People will listen to your talk because they see it in your walk. Okay. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Okay. Ammon read from another verse here in, in, um, in Psalm a while ago. In your time of affliction, this is my comfort. Your promises give me life. Okay, that's what he read a while ago. And here, he has given us his precious and very great promises so that through them, you may become partakers or participants or sharers of the divine nature. Not that you're going to become God, but you're going to have a share, an experience of the very nature of God, which is the nature of love and holiness. And ho when we talk about holiness, it's, 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 we can do a sermon series on this one. I mean, holiness is such a beautiful thing. It's, it's not, a, it's not a, an old-fashioned thing. If you think holiness is old-fashioned, then you don't have the understanding of what holiness is. You've received, you've embraced what the world's view of holiness is, which is a wrong view. Which now tells you, tells everybody that you don't have, you don't understand what you're talking about. Come on now. Holiness is such a beautiful thing. The Bible says holiness adorns his house. How many of you ladies adorn yourselves? With makeup, with jewelry, right? You adorn yourselves to make yourself no, not more beautiful. You, you don't, wouldn't like that. You would like to reveal more your beauty, right? You adorn yourself. You see, the Bible says holiness adorns God's house. Holiness beautifies the house of God. Who are His house? Who are His temple? The Bible says we are His temple. You, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We, you, individually, we are the temple of God. And holiness beautifies his house. Did you get that? People may mock you, ridicule you for your faith, but in reality, inside of them, I'm mocking them because I'm not like them, but let me observe their life. I want what they have. They, they, what you have is what the world is looking for. They're not just willing to admit it. But we know that's what they're looking for. They're looking for hope. They're looking for love. They're looking for peace. They're looking for forgiveness. They're looking for restored relationship. They're, they're looking for being freed from guilt. They're looking for being freed from shame. They're looking for genuine love. Where do you find all of these things? In Christ alone. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. That's why I worship Him. You know, I, he is beyond words. My heart will explode if I just, you know, meditate on His, on his magnificence and what, especially what He has done for me. That's why the imperative for me 
even if it's hard, it's easy. It's easy to do. It's easy to obey because I know where that imperative came from. That's what a disciple does. Okay, so let me land this down. <clears throat> so uh, have, you may become partakers of the divine nature, the nature of love and holiness, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason here, here's now the, the imperative. For this very reason, because of that, because of the indicative, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Okay, let me read my notes here. Should I won't? Okay, when you say um, virtue, basically it's, it speaks of excellence of character. Add to your faith. You have faith? As a disciple, you're walking with Christ. You're moving towards Him. You're growing. And as you grow, you know, you're growing in your knowledge of Him. You're also growing in, 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 your, in your character. You're becoming more like Him. And as you're growing, you're adding. As you're moving towards Jesus, following Him, you're adding more and more of His traits. And here, as you, add to your, as you walk with Him, you're adding to your faith virtue, which is excellence of character. And with virtue or with excellence of character, add to that knowledge. Get to know God more. Get to know Him more. Get to know His truth more. And, and knowledge, self-control. And with all that knowledge now, it's going to be easier for you to control yourself and your, t- your passions. And it's going to be easier for you to lay down those selfish, and, selfish desires. And with self-control, add to that steadfastness. What is steadfastness? It's basically patience, endurance, perseverance. And with steadfastness, godliness. And godliness, add to that brotherly affection. Okay? Brotherly love. And with brotherly affection, add to that agape. Love. Unconditional love. You see, you will only get to these things when you're moving towards Christ. When you're moving forward in your relationship with Him, you will grow and you will see. And I, lo- I like to, and this is the last verse we're going to end. We're going to end with, and Peter said, for if these qualities are yours, if you own these qualities and they are increasing in you, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the expectation is that these things should be growing or increasing in our lives. How many of you are disciples of Jesus? This is your trajectory. Commit to that. Because of the indicative, for this very reason, make every effort. Because the grace is there. Make every effort. To get all you, to get to add to your character, not that you can make that. He's provided all those things to you on the journey. He is the one who transforms you, but he makes you participate in that process through your obedience. Amen. So I'll stand right now as we end. I'd like to ask the worship team, please come forward. <clears throat> so, the indicative precedes the imperative the indicative is the basis of 
the imperative. And here's your I want here's a take home I want you to have. That may be your take home as well. Okay, but if that's too much for you, here's basically what I'm saying. A believer who continuously gives himself to God's grace grows in holiness and godliness. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We can't say it's too hard. If, you know, if my situation is different, you know, regardless of situation, the grace of God is there. Just fix your gaze on the grace, not on the problem, not on the difficulty, not on the challenge, not on the issue, not on the shame or the guilt or the pain or the sin. Focus your eyes on that grace. That's why the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. You can come up, come up here. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith. Fix your eyes on Him. He has set the finish line and He's waiting for you at the finish line. And He's giving you the grace to finish. Just don't let yourself be distracted. And the way not to be distracted is to continually focusing on Him, moving towards Him, moving forward towards Him. And He's waiting for you at the finish line. And He's also giving you His grace to finish. Amen? How many of you want to be a real disciple of Jesus? This is what it's supposed to be. Amen? We're going to sing this song and we're going to pray. Lord, I pray. Lord, I pray that um, you'd cause this truth, Lord, to, Lord, to be embedded in our hearts and that we would desire now to grow. You provided everything. Now, my prayer is that you would ignite our hearts, that we would desire to have these things, to desire to grow in the knowledge of you, to grow in our relationship with you. Lord, that we would understand your motive behind your commands. We would understand, Lord, the why. And as we understand your motive, the stated truth, we will, we will be glad. It's going to be easy to obey. Lord, your, your, your motive is a statement of truth. The indicative is a statement of truth. And what is that truth? You love us. You love us. And that you gave your one and only Son for us. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish. But will have everlasting life. It begins there. And so today, Lord, help us to understand the gospel. And your grace. That we may live obedient lives 